Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak. That's a freak with two E's. It's a long explanation. Anyway, I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. I love drafting, trading, scouting, and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in store today on episode number 62. Episode number 62 is just going to be a week in review of week number four. Now that we're kind of in the third of the way through our fantasy seasons, a quarter of the way through our NFL season, just wanted to give a little review of week number four. Um, I did watch all the games in week number three, but I did take the week off from writing and from podcasting. I do this every year on the last week of September because that's when my wife and I celebrate our anniversary. We do a fun little tradition every year. One person plans a trip and keeps it a secret from the other one the entire time. So my wife's turn, it was her turn to plan. And so I did not know where I was going literally until I started boarding the plane. And we ended up in Dublin, Ireland. Had a great time last week. Uh, Still followed the NFL from there, but definitely gave my mind a little rest and not write and did not podcast last week. So thanks for the break. Uh, Thanks for the week off. Uh, We did get back just in time for us to watch all the week four action in the NFL. So here are some of my overall impressions after watching all the games in week four, as well as some comments on some of the dynasty and NFL transactions that were made this week. I always start with my top five observations, so here's my top five observations from week number four. First is that the bad teams are as bad as I've ever seen in the NFL. Uh, If Miami thought that they could tank for Tua, as has been said, uh, they may have to tank harder. (laughs) Like, there's other teams in the race with them. So many teams seem to uh, compete with them for the number one draft pick. Arizona, Cincinnati, Washington, Denver, and even the Jets might be right there with them in the thick of this competition for Tua. Um, from a fantasy perspective, this means a couple of things. Uh, the team's offenses have value at the wide receiver or maybe the passing downs back position because they're going to be playing from behind so often. Uh, but it kills the, the value of top prospects like Joe Mixon and um, middle kind of prospects like Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Uh, High pass-catching backs like David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell still have a chance to be viable on these bad teams because of the, you know, they're so involved in the passing game, whereas the uh, passing options on these teams could get increased targets, but less value just because the offenses overall are just so bad. Larry Fitzgerald, Cortland Sutton, Emmanuel Sanders, and Terry McLaurin, at least initially, have taken advantage of the weakness, you know, still producing on these bad teams. But uh, high-potential players like Tyler Boyd, possibly Preston Williams, or what we hope for Devontae Parker or Robbie Anderson, even Christian Kirk, have really been stifled by the team's poor play. And so there are just some bad teams out there, and it really does affect our uh, fantasy rankings as well as our dynasty rankings of these players. Second major observation for week number four is I think there's a major shakeup happening among the tight ends. I know we're only a quarter of the way through the season, uh, NFL season that is, but so far there's a lot of surprises among the top 12 tight ends. There's guys like Mark Andrews, Austin Hooper, Darren Waller, Will Disley, Delaney Walker, Jason Witten, and Jordan Akins. They're all among the top 12 tight ends in half uh, PPR right now. 
So tight end scoring is largely linked to touchdowns, so the rankings can be skewed you know, quite a bit week to week. But the fact that there's the targets and receptions, which are more meaningful, uh, man, those really are indicating a lot about these kind of up-and-coming guys, particularly Mark Andrews, Austin Hooper, Darren Waller, Will Disley. As younger prospects, they seem uh, like in line to move permanently into the top 12 of our tight end rankings. So the, meanwhile, the questions around the uh, high upside but less impactful tight ends like George Kittle, Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, Vance McDonald, O.J. Howard, Jared Cook, and David Njoku, you know, due to an injury, there's, uh, there's a lot of questions around these guys. And so there's a little bit of a shakeup among what we thought would be the top 12 yeah, type of tight ends um, at the start of the year. Third thing I would make an observation about is that many of the highly drafted wide receivers are underperforming. I don't think there's any need to, need to panic, so there's no need to panic because I think things will level out. But there's some reason to uh, to concern, you know, with a, be concerned with the highly drafted wide receivers. Uh, Mike Evans' owners are <laughs> are concerned because Chris Godwin has scored more than Mike Evans, but they're both doing well, and he, he kind of appears to become the number one uh, wide receiver in Tampa Bay. Uh, maybe more importantly, guys like DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver number 24, Odell Beckham, wide receiver number 25, Brandon Cooks, wide receiver number 26, Adam Thielen, wide receiver number 34, DJ Moore, wide receiver 36, and Juju Smith-Schuster is wide receiver number 40. Like, this is this is bad for all these guys that were drafted, in the, you know, in the top two rounds of redraft, but really with all the guys that we consider, you know, top two to three round, uh, some of these n- number one round um, in our startup drafts. They are just not performing very well. So changes in offensive philosophy, possibly changes in the competition, quarterback injuries certainly have played their part. Um, But these players' dynasty values are not something that we panic on, so they're still where they are. But but they're starting to get concerning, right? If you have these players, you're you're pretty frustrated with them right now. Fourth thing that I learned uh, from week number four is that there's several surprise defenses that are making a fantasy impact. It feels like, depending on your league formats, that some dynasty defenses that were likely keeping, um, uh, that likely kept, that were likely kept on your teams are uh, dominating, like the Patriots and Bears. You know, while surprise defenses, this is where the real surprise is. Surprise defenses that were likely not kept, they were probably on the waiver wire at the start of the season for our dynasty leagues. Teams like the Titans, the 49ers, the Buccaneers, the Jets, the Packers, the Bills. Of course, this all depends on our, you know, league settings and which teams you have rostered. But I can say for many of my leagues, even those value defenses, um, have, even these new value defenses, have not been, uh, were not kept on rosters, and so they've been being picked up in the in the waiver wire week to week. Even this last week, I finally made some moves to pick up teams like the Titans, the 49ers, the Buccaneers, for sure, and the Bills I picked up last week. So some of these defenses are kind of not the ones that we thought would be great. We're not even kept on our rosters because we don't normally keep too many defenses in a dynasty league. But now you've got some that you can keep and some that you're actually willing to drop. I was very surprised this week to drop the Chargers in several of my leagues because I thought they were going to be awesome. But all their injuries and things like that have made them a less valuable uh, dynasty defense. So, last thing, fifth thing, is that one-third of the league is starting unexpected quarterbacks this week. A couple weeks ago, I wrote about that a quarter of the league was starting unexpected quarterbacks. Now we've got a third. This is crazy. Eleven of uh, the NFL teams now are starting quarterbacks they did not expect starting. So, this is pretty pretty crazy. 
It's impacting the value of many fantasy players, given that, of course, offenses are so directly tied to the quarterback position. Almost every quarterback injury results in devaluing of players and their teams, and in most cases, minus maybe, you might say, the New York Giants, who actually maybe had an uptick in, in uh, productivity with Daniel Jones starting, and uh, maybe even Jacksonville with Gardner, Gardner Minshew, um, maybe raise, starting to raise the value of some of his players. Those might be the exceptions, but in, in all the other places of these unexpected quarterbacks coming into work, these are uh, hurting the values of their players. Now, we're in Dynasty League, so it doesn't hurt them permanently, particularly if the change is not a permanent change. Uh, but where the change might be a permanent change, like Daniel Jones and Gardner Minshew, um, maybe it's actually affecting the Dynasty value in the positive direction. But for the most part, it's actually hurting the value of our players, at least in this year, while these backup quarterbacks come in. We're going to move on now to a couple of little injury reports, just things from this last week, give you a little bit of my take on what I think uh, these injuries mean uh, for the value of players uh, this this year and beyond. Uh, first is Mitch uh, Trubis- Trubisky. <laughs> he uh, hurt his sh- shoulder early in the game, and Chase Daniel came in and performed well enough to get the Bears a win, but in my opinion, not well enough to elevate the fantasy value of his teammates. Uh, they were playing a tough defense in Minnesota, um, and it's always hard for a backup just to come in without, you know, a game plan being set to his skills. I do believe that he'll play better, uh, you know, the next few weeks while Trubisky heals and they make a game plan, you know, according to his skills, but likely not well enough to change the value of the what I consider to be the only two startable fantasy players for the Bears, Allen Robinson and David Montgomery. Um, I'd give him a slight, I'd give them a slight downgrade in value for the next few weeks, but both players are still every week starters. I don't think you take them out of your lineups, but Chase Daniel is is not an, an every week starter. Next injury would be uh, Daniel. I mean, sorry, uh, Josh Allen. He was concussed late in the game against the Patriots. Uh, Matt Barkley came in and almost led the team to a comeback win against New England. Uh, Bills' de- defense is so great they just stifled New England, which is fun to watch. Um, Allen, of course, was kind of like a streamable QB play uh, this year but definitely up and down in his ability, uh, his you know ability to kind of make big plays and to run for 30-plus yards per game, uh, give him somewhat of a value. I don't think Barkley is going to be worth streaming, though. Uh, hopefully Allen clears the concussion protocol quickly because he definitely made John Brown an every-week starter and Cole Beasley a viable uh, flex play, uh, particularly in PPR leagues. But I wouldn't start, um, I wouldn't start these guys if, if um, Barkley is a quarterback in this in this coming week, uh, let alone the fact that they're actually playing a very tough defense in Tennessee this week. I'd wait until Allen comes back um, to maybe stream him, but definitely when Allen comes back, very worth starting John Brown and Cole Beasley on their teams. Third injury that happened was uh, Case Keenum, and he was the third quarterback to go down with an injury. Um, Washington brought in rookie quarterback Dwayne Haskin, who promptly gave the game away by throwing three interceptions. It was a very rough start to his career. Um, I don't think this dooms him by any means, um, but he needs more time to adjust for sure. Washington's likely going to start Colt McCoy, not Haskins, if Keenum doesn't get healthy by Sunday. Uh, Their matchup this week is against New England, the best fantasy defense in the league, so I wouldn't start anyone on the Redskins this week, possibly with the exception of Chris Thompson, who just seems to rack up yardage and garbage points, particularly in PPR leagues, uh, when the Redskins get behind. So if Haskins starts future games, I would bench all Washington players. But if McCoy or Keenum are starting, I'd still feel pretty confidently going forward with uh, Terry McLaurin um, 
I'd, I'd put him back in my lineups and trust him. But that's about it for this pretty pathetic team. Like I said, there's some teams that are looking so bad. Marlon Mack uh, is the next guy that was injured. The Colts indicated that Mack could have come back into the game if needed, but they didn't let him back in the game, even though they were behind. Jordan Wilkins really stands to benefit if Mack cannot go this week. I believe that he'll be the first and second down back, while Naheem Hines will kind of be the passing down back for, for Indianapolis. Indianapolis does play uh, Kansas City this week, which makes me suspect that they could be playing from behind, uh, making Hines per- perhaps the better play for this week, especially in PPR leagues. But Wilkins a better play going forward. Um, all that said, I, I bet Mess- Mack will maybe miss this week, and so the Colts can uh, hopefully return next week to a full lineup, get, get Mack and Hilton back. Although there's still a possibility that both of them are going to play this week. Stinks that they're the Sunday night game, so kind of trying to set your lineups if you don't have Monday night players to go along with them. Uh, it's really hard to know what to do, you know, based on starting them. I hate when there's that that case. Fifth player on injury that I would report on is TJ Hawkinson. Man, it was pretty ugly looking concussion that caused a very long pause in the in play in the game. It stinks because he'd already scored one touchdown. And he was likely going to get targeted in the, in the end zone again on, the, on that drive that he got hurt on. Uh, this injury, you know, downgrades the fantasy value of Matt Stafford just a hair, just just barely, maybe not even at all. Um, if these concussion symptoms linger, um, they're on a bye week this week, so hopefully TJ can uh, recover quickly and come back and be ready to play in week six. If not, um, Jesse James could replace him, but I would have no fantasy value on him. Uh, the thing that big biggest absence that would be is the red zone targets because Hawkinson was targeted a lot in the red zone so far this season. So if he is out for a prolonged period, I think the biggest uh, spike will go to Kenny Galladay, even a better value uh, with his red zone targets, which he's already had his share of those as well. So he's going to get even more with Hawkinson out, depending on if he comes back or not. Of course, Detroit does not have to give uh, injury updates, given that they're on a bye week, so we don't really have much news so far on Hawkinson. Next thing that I like to do on these uh, podcasts is give you the waiver wire moves. Of course, they've already happened, but I like to just get, give me a chance to kind of comment on some of these bottom-of-the-roster guys and talk about some of the, the players that I tried to pick up this week and which ones I was excited to get, which ones I wasn't able to get, uh, etc. Um, as a reminder, I do play in leagues that are 27 to 30-man rosters, and so you know we all have different leagues. So this these are players I was most willing to get in my deep dynasty leagues, what I consider true dynasty leagues. Uh, first was Auden Tate. Honestly, this is the guy that I, this is the uh, only guy that I aggressively bid on this week, apart from a few defenses that I said that I tried to pick up, like I already mentioned before. It was a bad week on the waiver wire. This is one of the worst weeks, I think, probably the worst week of the year so far on the waiver wire overall, uh, particularly in our dynasty leagues. Tate was already getting a lot more targets in the last two games, six targets two weeks ago, ten targets on Monday night. Uh, he was already on my radar for the waiver wire before John Ross's, uh, before the John Ross injury and then his subsequent move to the IR. A.J. Green's injury is still lingering, too, so this is going to be Tate and Boyd show in Cincinnati. Uh, two years ago, this is funny, two years ago, I actually had him as a top 10 rookie before the combine in the NFL draft. So I kind of watch all the film and kind of rank my rookies before the combine in the NFL draft, and I was super high on Auden Tate. Like, I loved his film uh, for Florida State. But uh, when he wasn't didn't do well at the combine and then fell to the seventh round of the NFL draft. It really caused me to drop him quite a bit. Ended up not really rostering him in a lot of leagues. 
So what I'm doing right now is I'm trusting the Florida State film that I watched <laughs> before the NFL draft, and I'm trusting the current circumstances, uh, given that he's going to get a lot more targets, given the Green and now John Ross injury. Um, I picked him up in several leagues and have him in, actually have him in my starting lineup in one of my leagues this week and, and don't feel too bad about it. So Auden Tate was uh, the number one waiver wire pickup for me. There was a second guy that I made a bid on. Second was Ricky Seals-Jones, RSJ, if you want to call him that, as he's known. Uh, he came out of nowhere last Sunday, catching three passes for 82 yards and a touchdown. I don't think it's something that we'll see again, but I was willing to take a chance, and I did pick him up in one league. Um, I just think David Njoku will come back this year. He's on the kind of the temporary IR where he will come back. And last week, it was Demetrius Harris who I was trying to pick up You know, after the Njoku entry, and he was the one that caught a touchdown last week. And this week, he actually started 67% of the snaps compared to RSJ. So 67% of the snaps went to Demetrius Harris, which means, you know, I don't think that this is going to happen very often for for Ricky Seals-Jones or RSJ. I did take a stab at him in one league just to watch for a week in case the snap count begins to favor him over Demetrius Harris. Um, Either way, I don't feel like it's a great dynasty move, you know, on the waiver wire this week because Njoku's really the long-term starter there in Cleveland. Third guy that I'll mention on the waiver wire was Gerald Everett. Everett had eight catches in this crazy shootout game last week with Tampa Bay. Uh, that's more than uh, he has had in a very long time, even though uh, he was Sean McVay's first draft pick when Sean McVay landed there with the Rams, uh, and he promised to be promised him to be like the next Jordan Reed. He, of course, came from the Washington system and thought that Everett was going to be like this Jordan Reed type of player. But the fact is that McVay has just not used his tight ends the last two years, and I don't believe that's going to change now. Other teams picked him up in my leagues this week, but I, I, I chose not even to put a claim in for him. So it's hard for me to list these five players here because I didn't make I only made plays on the first two, but I'll still list five here. Number four I'd mentioned is Benjamin Watson. Uh, here He was definitely the sneaky ad this week. If uh, other, other owners fell asleep and forgot that Watson was returning from suspension this week, then savvy owners picked him up while they were sleeping. Um, I consider making some I consider making some bids on him, but ultimately decided not to do so. He's 38 years old. That's old, even though tight ends you know can produce at an older age. I just don't believe that he'll come in and make a big difference, um, even though he should have every opportunity since New England has not had a productive tight end to start the season in these first four weeks. Savvy move uh, for some, but I wasn't very interested. Fifth player that I listed was Chase Daniel. I added Daniel uh, here because he could become a starter on weeks, you know, when there's four to six NFL teams on buys. Uh, he's an add-in for sure in, in two quarterback leagues, but I think uh, he's worth he's uh, worth an add. And le- he's not worth an add unless you're one of the teams that have been ravaged by quarterback injuries or maybe if you have Trubisky on your team. In and of itself, that might be a reason to, to ha- add him as well. Finally, uh, what, what I like to do in these podcasts is tell you about some trades that happened in my leagues. Just gives us a chance to talk about a few players and what happened. I've got two trades that I made this week and then a couple to report on that others made in my league. So here's the trades that went on in my leagues this week. There was one trade, Michael Thomas and a 2023rd for Sammy Watkins, Austin Hooper, and a 2021st. So this was a trade that I made in my league where my team is right on the verge of a rebuild. <laughs> so I traded away Michael Thomas. Um, and the 2023rd. I decided not to go uh, full rebuild mode on this team. I thought uh, 
uh, thought I, that a two for one, you know, deal and the 2021st could help me in both aspects. One, it could give me a better chance to compete this year, but I also added a 2020 first round pick. So I thought it could help me in the future. It's kind of, so I'm kind of hedging my bets a little bit here. Uh, Hooper and the 2021st were the main targets in this deal. I've been languishing at tight end in this league. Um, and the other owner had uh, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, and has a great shot to win the title this year. So he was very eager to get Michael Thomas, thinks that could kind of push him over the top while he doesn't really need to start Hooper or Waller, given that he has Kelsey. Um, I'm actually not a huge fan of, of Watkins, largely because he's so inconsistent week to week and he's injury prone. Um, but I do love the Kansas City offense and the potential, even when, and his potential, even when Tyree Kill comes back. I'm not. I'm very strong wide receiver in that league, and then I have uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Juju Smith-Schuster are my other starters. So I had like strong three receivers, which made me a little bit more willing to give up uh, Michael Thomas, um, make wide, Watkins my wide receiver number three, and knowing that I have my tight end position solved with Hooper, who I've actually got ranked as my number seven overall dynasty tight end right now. So as for the 2021st that I obtained in this uh, trade, you have to go to the next trade that I made. So the next trade I made in the same league was Le'Veon Bell on a 2023rd for Royce Freeman and a 2021st. So later in the week, I made this trade, showing, of course, that I actually have a really hard time completely giving up on my team. That could be a strength or it could be a real weakness of mine. But I'm hedging my bets, trying to do one last move to see if I can do something this year. Uh, the 2021st round pick that I acquired in the previous trade was the one that I traded for, for Royce Freeman to get Bell and the 2023rd. The team that I traded with is in rebuilding mode, mode two, so I'm hopeful that this 2023rd will be like a first or second pick in the third round. Uh, I could be the first or the second myself. <laughs> so uh, my running backs um, in this league are my weakness, so I wanted to have just one stud running back that I could just start every week and just say this is it. So I've got that now in Bell. Um, just to give you a little context, I have Russell Wilson, DeAndre Hopkins, Juju Smith-Schuster, and now Austin Hooper in, in that league. So adding Bell made me more hopeful that, that I could try to get back in the race. Although, after I made this trade and saw how Juju Smith-Schuster played with uh, Mason Rudolph, knowing I'm tied to him for this entire year, did not make me <laughs> very hopeful again. The 2021st that I was hoping uh, that I uh, chopped was essentially Bell for what I think could be like a 1.10 pick. Uh, that was because this was the pick that I traded from a team that's actually very good. And so I think uh, this first round pick is going to be a very late, if not the latest pick in the first round. And I still have my own 2021st. Uh, finally, I'll say on this trade that I really have soured on Royce Freeman. Uh, the hopes of him, this 50-50, almost completely 50-50 split with Philip Lindsay is starting to drive me crazy. I think Denver likes what they're doing at running back, and neither of them is going to become an every-week starter. I've literally not, not started him this year for me, and I don't think that I will in the future. So Bill will be a starter for me. Hopefully I can get back in the fight in this league. If not, I think I'm going to regret these trades and think I just need to go all-out uh, rebuild mode uh, in this league. A couple other trades, the kind of hot commodity that I saw traded around and lots of trade offers going around this week was for Wayne Gallman. So two trades in my leagues did go down with Wayne Gallman. Uh, first was Wayne Gallman at 2024th for straight up for a 2022nd. Uh, so this trade was given to the Barkley owner who has a great team and won the championship last year. So I'm sure that he just wanted the security this year and perhaps going forward if Gallman really becomes like the, the solid handcuff to Barkley. 
the Gallman owner was just trying to get uh, get a 2022nd out of the deal. Like he was shopping them everywhere, and I know uh, he was. I know this because he was offered to me too. Um, so he got what he wanted. He got a 2022nd out of the deal. Um, makes sense for the Barkley owner to have Gallman. Um, so I understand his side of it, but otherwise I favor getting the 2022nd round pick for Gallman. Next was the same owner, a Gallman trade. It was Wayne Gallman and a 2024th for Alexander Madison. This trade was made by the same Gallman owner, but in a different league. Uh, this team bought Gallman, uh, the team that bought Gallman does not have Barkley in this case, but he does have a very strong team with a slight weakness at running back. And so he was trying to buy himself a win or two, I think, before Barkley comes back by adding Gallman to his team. He also has four 2020 first-round picks. And so I think because of that, he was more willing to let Madison go because he knows he's going to pick up a ton of running backs in the first round next year. So I see why he was willing to do it, given his team makeup. But I still actually prefer the Madison side of this trade uh, since Dalvin Cook is likely to get injured, uh, given his history and the number of touches that he's getting. Uh, that said, he could become like the perpetual backup to Cook, just as Gallman's the perpetual backup to uh, Barkley, in which case I actually prefer Madison as a long-term backup more than I prefer Gallman as a long-term backup. So I favor the Madison side of this trade. And finally, uh, one other trade that took place in my leagues was Deontay Johnson, Dawson Knox, and two 2020 first-round picks for George Kittle and Paris Campbell. So it should be noted that this is in my FFPC league, which uh, has much thinner rosters. There's 20 players that are rostered in these leagues. So trades in these leagues look quite a bit different from trades in my normal 27 to 30-man rosters. The team that gave away Kittle and Campbell is 1-3 and three and has decided early to shift into rebuild mode. Uh, they now have two more 2020 first-round picks, plus Dawson Knox and Mark Andrews, in this tight end premium format. So I can see why they're willing to give away Kittle uh, given their record and given their tight end depth, uh, the team that bought Kittle and Campbell is competitive. It stinks that I actually play them this week, so now I have to play them with Kittle, which is pretty annoying. <laughs> so I see why they were willing to give so much away, um, given they're competitive. All in all, uh, on this one, though, I really like the Knox, uh, Johnson, and two 2021st in this trade. That team's uh, going to be much stronger next year, um, even though they did have to give away the, the big prize in Kittle in this uh in this trade so those were some of my trades that took place in my leagues this year or this week rather um i appreciate you giving a listen that's a wrap for this week my freaky friends thanks so much for listening as always make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks.com that's dynastyfreaks with two e's i'm much better on email than i am on twitter but you can follow me on twitter as well at longhorn justin you know i've been building a website for a year plus now I really wanted there to be a year's worth of content before I started promoting the website and the podcast and really did this for two reasons. One was to get better by practicing. Uh, two, though, and mo- most important, was to give some verifi- verifiable and contestable content on the website and on the podcast so you can see for yourselves whether my dynasty takes are generally right or wrong. So I would love it if you would rate and review the podcast. That would be great for me. I appreciate you uh, con- listening and considering doing that. I hope that I can become your most trustworthy, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape, Dynasty community. As always, you know what to do until next time. You got to go out there, get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. 
Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. 